It is 11.05 and a beautiful Saturday morning. Dr. Payne Show. Here, info at paincarecanada.com. And uh, you can call in now. The phone lines are open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your gel. If you got uh, some physical <laughs> problems on your gel phone, man. <laughs> you got problems, you got issues, want to hear about them. How you doing, pal? Good, you? You are a dad and you're looking the whole dad thing. You're comfortable, yeah. you're chilled out now. Really? You got a little guy. Yeah, very little guy. So oh, is so you're tired like uh, 20 seconds ago? Shut up. I don't know if I'm... Be nice, Jody. Yeah, he, that's true. Eh? Before the air, he tells me how tired you I look. look tired, I dude. look horrible now yeah. on air. He's like, oh, you look good. You I don't look think I said fresh. horrible. Well, not, yeah. in, not in so little words. I was being a dad, by the way. <laughs> it's good. It's yeah. it's amazing. It's the best thing I've ever done. Come on in, buddy. Yeah. Water's warm. Yeah, it's right? amazing. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's been... Uh, every, every day is different, like... They don't really do anything, but even just watching them is they're alive. It like, yeah, just they're the, here. Their laugh, their the as you watch them develop things, like his smile, yep. you know, which in the beginning he wasn't doing as much of. Uh, it's just a, an incredible thing to watch a human being develop, and especially yep. for me as a as a doctor, like the human mm-hmm. body, all those things, just to see it develop, like. Sometimes he's laying there, and I'll grab like his little arm, and I'm like, "Look at this little humorous, and move this little joint it's, around." It's I'm mental, like, that's, I know. That's insane that that becomes like us one day, and some of them end up being like five, six and a half, like me. Some six, <laughs> six Whatever. ten, like you. <laughs> how uh, how old is he now? Uh, just over six weeks. Got him up on six skates. And a half. Yeah, he's yeah, Canadian. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, he's going skating tonight. <laughs> For sure. Me and the wife are going out. He's going to babysit himself. A little bit of curling. <laughs> It'll be no. fine. <laughs> so uh, update, what's happening at the uh, at the shop? Yeah, so so one thing I think we should talk about, which we've talked about before, uh, but probably not as much as we should, actually. Okay. Uh, concussion. Ah, uh, right. So it's an important thing. It's um, a brain injury. It's a brain no, injury, it's and a brain it's, injury. it's a serious thing. And, you know, as I've become more well-versed, like, here's the thing. Everybody thinks they know about concussion. Everyone thinks they, like, I'm talking about healthcare professionals. Everyone thinks... They, they know how to diagnose it. They know how to treat it. But there's actually a lot of specialized programs that practitioners can take that are coming out where you can actually get extra training in the proper diagnosis, the proper management of it. And a lot of these things exist on a database where you can share information. And in sharing that information, we can learn more about concussion. And a couple of the practitioners um, that work at our clinics are becoming licensed in these things. Wow, no um, kidding. And, and so I think it's an important thing. Like if you've sustained a concussion and you're going to see somebody for treatment, and now here's the thing, and, I, and, I, and I've been talking to these people that have got this extra training and I'm learning so much. It's not just as simple as you think. There's so many things involved when you look at the treatment of concussion. It could be all the way from eye exercises in terms of eye movements mm-hmm. and things like that. It might be related to the neck. And so getting therapy and exercises for the neck um, it could do with vestibular, like with training the way oh, you hear. And yeah. it's just insane the amount of things that are involved. Nutrition plays a part, um, exercise, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm building this team of specialized practitioners, different chiros and physiotherapists that can treat this. And and they're getting the specialized training with very reputable organizations. Um, you can you can visit our websites uh, to, to see exactly what we're doing. But if you've sustained some type of injury, and you know, I find more than you sustaining, like when I say you, it's often people listening and it's their kids, mm-hmm. um, young athletes. If you have a child, a young, and, and it's perfect, we started with my son, but 
if you have a young child who's who sustained any type of brain injury, now here's the thing: you hear brain injury and you think like it sounds very yeah, serious. In a coma, right? Yeah, yeah, a brain injury is he fell and hit his head, or right. she fell and hit her, their head yep. in in whatever sport or whatever activity they were doing. Why not get checked out? Yeah, they had some dizzy spells. Get yeah. checked out. Yeah, and, and never mind even that, but even what we call baseline testing, right. where we understand what the normal is. One of the things that happen in in the concussion world, and it's happening in a lot of parts of healthcare, is we need to understand what level people are at before we train them to try to get them back somewhere. Mm-hmm. So we were getting a lot of people coming in for concussions, and it's like, you know, this is my problem, but... It's like, well, what were you before? Like, what are we working towards getting you back to? Right. Because um, some people have a normal amount of headache or, you know, whatever. So this baseline testing is so important. And and if you um, have a child that's a young athlete, come in and get them tested. Have a baseline so that in the event, and hopefully it never happens, but if something does happen, you know where we're working towards getting them back to. And, and my team can help you with all of that, all the way from the baseline testing to if you unfortunately do sustain an injury, the treatment of it and the proper diagnosis of it, right? It's it's so often in a lot of uh, um, healthcare practitioners' offices just dismissed. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you know, because they're looking for the really scary symptoms, right? You go into Emerge or whatever and, you know, oh, my son had a, a fall during hockey, uh, okay, is there any weird symptoms like nausea, vomiting? No. Any severe headaches? No. Okay, they're fine. Just go home and rest. No, they might develop a mild headache, and that can affect them long-term. Like, why should yeah. they have to sustain a mild headache for the rest of their lives? Mm-hmm. It might have a disturbance. And a lot of these things, you may not be able to necessarily pick them up with the description of symptoms, but just by looking at the eye movement, the vestibular balance, these types of things, we can pick up these small things that may have happened that the person doesn't even realize right. and treat it accordingly. Nice. Because it's it may not necessarily be that one insult that is is the problem, but what happens when you keep sustaining that? You get, you know, if you're playing a sport and you get hit again and again and again and again, what's the impact of that? So I think if, if you have any type of mild head injury, come in and give us a call or give us a call today and let's talk. Info at PainCareCanada.com and uh, lots more of the show. You have uh, concerns, health concerns of your own. Feel free to call in. Graham, I see you there already. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Dr. Payne Show, getting her going and revved up here on Global News Radio. 1115 and yeah, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, info at PainCareCanada.com to, uh, to get it started when we're not doing the show, but otherwise 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Graham, fella, thanks for hanging on. How are you? No problem. How are you guys? Good, brother. What's uh, what's going on with you? What ails? About, oh. And uh, I martial kids, and I was just... Uh, Can't hear you, buddy. Are you in a you're tunnel? Cutting, or? You're cutting out, Graham. Something about concussions with kids with martial arts? That's what it sounds like when you have a concussion and someone's talking to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're hearing that, if it's coming in and out, you got Yeah, yeah they sound punch drunk, don't yeah. they? Yeah. <laughs> okay, there, you, can, go. there, there you go. Better. That's better. Okay, so what's up? Um, well, I teach uh, martial arts to kids uh, all ages, six to, to adult, yep. and uh, they don't really train us on what to look for as a result of kids getting uh, hit in the head or yep. taking a bad fall. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have my, my own kid in it as well, and I, was, I have him in right now in uh, grappling, but I want him to put him in kickboxing. Right. Now, now, when I grew up doing kickboxing, 
we would have one to two to three, four fights to get all the way up to what was provincials. And, and I look back on, on my own injuries, and sometimes I don't even remember my, my fights. Mm. So what, what are the symptoms that I could look for in children uh, if I see the small to medium to large head injuries? Yeah, so so here's the thing, and that's what I was trying to get across. That it's so variable and so dependent. Like, you know, obviously, anytime there's a major head injury happening, you want to look for some very serious things, like any type of vomiting, nausea, worst headache they've ever had. These are these things become like red flags, right? Where where that could potentially be more serious um, than than uh, just a concussion. Uh, and you're talking. I, I know someone who's a high end kickboxer and they actually thought they had a concussion it ended up being a brain hemorrhage um and luckily they got to the hospital in time and those things but on the mild end of things like i was saying sometimes you can't even notice it based on a description of symptoms it's picked up by physical examination by testing someone's balance by tracking their eye movements and seeing if they feel pain with those things um you know it's actually interesting that you bring this up because we we also provide a service where for um people that run different organizations such that you do, we can come in and show you like some of these things and on the low end things to, to look for. Uh, but there's definitely things like any type of headache or any change really in that young person, right? Like if their mood is a little bit different, sometimes it's just mood disturbances where wow. people say he's just, the kid seems more moody all of a sudden. And, and so it could be, it could be anywhere from almost nothing or what would only be picked up on physical exam, all the way to very serious things like constant headache that doesn't get better. Um, definitely if you start getting scary symptoms, like they're describing numbness, tingling in their body, uh, loss of motor control anywhere. There's so, so many things to to look for. And, and it's a great thing that you bring it up because I do think that the people running these types of organizations need to be better equipped. So I would say call me. I'm happy to, to set something up where we can send somebody out um, and train you on the right things to look for that by uh, number by the way one 855 dr lou d-r-l-o-u info at paincarecanada.com uh michael up in, uh, in halliburton hey michael good morning good morning what's going uh, on i uh, i'm a six-year-old man and about 10 years ago um i got hit by a car uh, i was able to jump on well, i got hit by a car while i was cycling i was able to jump so my body wasn't hit but i ended up in a ditch to this day i swear that i never hit my head but my helmet was split in three. Oof. Oh, then, then about, you hit something. Yeah, yeah, but it's bizarre. Like, even the day after, I said, no, I'm, I didn't hit my head. But then about a year or so later, I had a serious fall off about a 15-foot high roof. Since then, I've had cognitive issues, multitasking challenges, concentration issues, depression issues, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm just wondering what your opinion is on the likelihood that that's all related uh, well, it's it could potentially. It's it's hard for me to say without obviously assessing you. But temporally, if none of you know the big thing when we we look at these things, it's like you have to look at it, the succession of these things happening. If you were absolutely fine up until that point, and then you sustain those things, and all of a sudden things change, I mean, it starts to suggest more of a causation than correlation, and so. Um, you know, it could very much be related. Have you done any type of treatment for for this? Well, right now I'm in CBT uh, 
uh, cognitive behavioral therapy hmm. uh, uh, on depression uh, and anxiety. Uh, thing. You know, it's one of those things, to be honest with you, I probably should have addressed it earlier, but I didn't quite recognize, hey, I'm getting depressed, hey, I'm doing this and that. And yeah, and and so that and so I often talk about cognitive behavior therapy as a as a pure solution. But if you've got something physically going on and you're just trying to change a pattern and behavior of thinking, you're actually in this case almost treating just the symptom, right? Whereas cognitive behavior therapy often ends up being the the actual underlying cause. Um, it might be, you know, it's never it's always better to intervene early. Yes, I will agree with that, but it's never too late to intervene. Um, and the worst thing you can do is not intervene at all. So I, I think it's worthwhile getting this looked at properly um, and potentially getting some type of physical treatment for the concussion as well. So so how, how would you recommend we proceed? Should I call you? Yes, exactly. Please. That's exactly what you're going to do, Michael. one 855 doctor Lou. That's D-R-L-U. one 855 doctor Lou. Info at paincarecanada.com. Uh, Hugo, stand by. I see you there. And uh, you as well still have plenty of time to call in just like that. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio. If you have questions about your health, you have, uh, well, over 30 minutes to call in, at least get a uh, baseline answer and move on from there. 416, you like that? A baseline answer. I just came up with that. Wow. Can I I trademark that that thing? Jody, you would on that, would you? Thanks, pal. Copyright that. uh... No, Jody remembers I said that off air first, right, Jody? Really? Always, <laughs> always taking my credit, man. Yeah. No, Four, that's good. Baseline yeah. answer. Thank you. I like it. Very good. Hugo, what's up, pal? Hi, uh, yes. Uh, I've got a question for Dr. Lou. Uh, sure. I have a Baker's cyst on my knee. Okay. Uh, and I'm in a lot of pain. I went to my doctor and he set up a special appointment, but it's not until June. Ooh, you got to come see me before that. Where uh, uh, Where uh, is the pain in your knee? Uh, it's like right at the bottom of my kneecap, underneath my kneecap. Okay. And it's like really swollen up. Yeah, and and uh, where's and do you know where the Baker cyst is? Because I know where they happen. Uh, no, I'm not really sure. He didn't yeah. really say. Yeah, so Baker cyst is often, so it happens at the back of the knee. So this is a big thing where people like, it's like he has pain at the front of his knee at the kneecap, but yeah. someone's told him that the source of that pain is the Baker cyst in the back of the knee. Uh, wrong answer. Like, I, I don't even need to see it to know that that's definitely not the case. If you said, oh, the pain is at the back of my knee, then yeah. so based on what you're telling me with swelling in the front, Baker cyst in the back, what I'm already starting to think, are you older, Hugo? Uh, yes, I'm 54. Yeah, so there's probably a significant amount of arthritis going on. And as that happens, the 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 this uh, fluid within the joint seeps out and causes swelling and can create a Baker cyst and swelling in other areas. So already, I'm not telling you this as a diagnosis, but it already starts to sound more like arthritis to me. So although this is where the difference is when you take imaging, and we talk about this all the time, you're going to find a lot of things on imaging. A lot of those things are just a consequence of of the natural aging project or uh, project, the process. I, I see this all the time where people are told, oh, the, you know, they say my pain is in this area, mm. but I'm told the source of the, but the source of my pain is this. And it's like, no, that, that doesn't even make sense. And this is a perfect example. Pain at the front of the knee, at the base of the kneecap, yet somehow it's the Baker cyst. Not, not, you have a knee problem for sure, but the first step is the proper diagnosis of the problem that dictates the treatment. Having said that, The good thing is if you need early intervention, the whole reason why we have our knee clinic initiative is for exactly what you said. You're not seeing a specialist until June. That is absolutely ridiculous. We can get you in to see a specialist 
probably next week, and if not next week, the week after. That would be perfect. Okay, give me a call. All right. Okay. Thanks, Hugo. Appreciate that. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, info at to move on. But you started the show talking about concussion. And and I think we, we talked about this. It must have been, it could have been a year ago when we kind of had someone in talking about the subject. And it, it often makes me wonder, and, and you kind of said the same thing, when it comes to concussion, every sport, any major sport has helmets. That, I mean, that goes right to the kid who's, who's inline skating on the road. Yeah. But the helmet really is, that's kind of for exterior superficial. I mean, whether you're wearing a massive, you know, helmet or not, if you bang your head, if there's a sudden impact, the helmet's not going to stop your brain from smacking the inside of your skull. No, it will protect the outside, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it does do some protection for right. sure. But you're absolutely right. The problem is the movement of the brain within the skull. There is some give, and it's that what we call coop-counter-coop, which it's, mm-hmm. it's a movement of the brain that creates some low-level impact. But... You bring up an interesting point because we talk about concussion and all we just did was bring up sports where you you are wearing a helmet. But what about people that fall and bang your head or you're sure. getting up from under a table, you smack your head on the table, you know, and, and these things just happen. Or an, an older person that falls over, hits their head. All the time. You ain't, you're not wearing a helmet. No. So if it's bad with a helmet, what's it like without a helmet? What about car accidents? Sure. That, that, you know, a rear-end collision. Well, everybody talks about that all the time yeah, and every, in your corner, right? Everybody thinks about it's just the neck. Well, no, guess what? Your your brain also moved in that in that scenario. Inertia mm. is something, you you know, that's one of Newton's laws, that something in motion wants to stay in motion. And so when that happens, there's all kinds of, and, and this is the thing, when we use the term brain injury, it sounds so, like, complicated and yeah. big, not realizing that brain injury just means any injury to the brain, and that can happen with, the, like the example we just gave. You you bang your head. You're going under somewhere, and you don't see something, and you yeah. hit your head. It's just what level are we talking? Are we talking a very very mild case, or are we talking a very very severe case? But what I'm arguing here is that the serious cases are very easy for almost anyone to pick up. You almost don't need to be a trained professional. If right. you got hit in the head, and you know you started like coughing up and and throwing up, you would think, man, this doesn't seem good. I should probably get to the hospital. But what happens on that very mild end of the spectrum where there's not symptoms that are, you know, abundantly apparent right away, where Mm. it's just like there's, you know, maybe some things or it happens over time, things change. That matters a lot. Like we've seen now with uh, um, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, which is they made a movie concussion about it. What happens with long-term exposure to consistent trauma in the brain and the, the actual physical changes that happen in the brain? And those physical changes equal personality changes, chemical changes that affect that. That's That whole movie is based around that premise that, yeah. that these guys end up, like essentially, for lack of a better term, losing their mind. Yeah. And it's not they're losing their mind for no reason. It's because there is physical damage that happens to the brain. That is the extreme case. But you have to have the small case to lead up to the extreme case. And a lot of these things are not a one-time insult. It's the repetitive nature of these things. Like the whole thing in that is they, they talk about how hockey, football, and wrestling. Well, it went all the way to homicide, to killing yeah. family members. Yeah, but I it's, mean, those, it's that consistent, like you're man. knocking into each other. Right. Every time you, you can body check someone with your shoulder, guess what? Your brain still moves in that scenario. It's not like your brain is detached from your shoulder. As one area takes the impact, that force gets dissipated. And it's that mild, consistent trauma 
over and over. And we talk about it a lot for repetitive strain sprain. Like it all makes sense to us if you're working on a factory line using your wrist a lot that you're you're going to develop wrist problems. That mm-hmm. seems pretty pretty evident. Well, why doesn't it seem equally evident that if you're consistently body checking, body checking, your brain is moving, moving. That's repetitive sprain, sprain, but not of a ligament, you know, in your wrist, your brain. Your melon. Yep. Your melon. Like, that's exactly. that's serious stuff, and it needs to be addressed properly. Questions, comments about that, or anything else to do with your, your health, a concern? Bring it on. you got lots of time. It's 1130-416-870-6400. Star 640 on Celta. Dr. Payne Show continues on Global News Radio. 1032, Dr. Payne Show. You want to reach out uh, when we're not on the air. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. But you have plenty of time to uh, call into this radio show. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Yeah, th- this concussion thing is, is it's just, it's exploding and it's good. The awareness around it is becoming much more. I remember it was about uh, six years ago when I had first started practicing when I graduated and was in practice on my own. I, I will not mention, but I started working with a league, a football league in the GTA mm-hmm. um, that had children playing football. And I uh, I went to the, I guess it was the president of the league. Right. And I said, you know, I think we should be doing baseline testing on all of these people, like, you know, just to be certain. Yeah. And I remember... Um, uh, she said to me, she's like, no, we're not doing that. And we're not even going to mention it to parents because I, I don't want to freak oh, people you'll scare out. Them away. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, but hang on a sec. You're worried about that when really what should be of most interest to you is not the financial incentive to have these people here, but their safety. Yeah. We're talking about the safety of these children. And I remember saying that, that, and I, and I actually got into a pretty heated argument with her because I thought it was pretty ignorant. And I thought the best analogy was like, you know, thinking of back in the forties when people didn't think seatbelts uh, mattered for yeah. saving lives. Uh, and I, and I remember saying to her one day, you will just realize that instead of being at the forefront of change, you were just lagging behind. And now we see that now there's a lot of these leagues have implemented this protocol where baseline testing, and I'm not telling you a story from 35 years ago. I'm telling you that this was about six years ago. Wow. This was okay. a younger progressive person. And all that was in the interest of this person was, um, um, a, fin- a financial incentive that they didn't want to lose the customer, the parents saying, no, I'm not putting my kids in this. And it's like, no, when when done correctly, you're not going to lose anybody. If, if anything, that's going to make them feel safe. Reassure them. Yeah. You, if you, if you, if this is not about scaring, it's about being reassured and doing things the right way. I'm not saying people should not play hockey or play football or wrestle. No, I absolutely think you should do all the things you love, but there are tools that you can measure yourself now so that in the event if something happens, we know or any practitioner knows what you're working back towards. So this is not something to scare people. It's just simply more tools for better care. That's a really shocking answer for me. That's like, oh. a, bit, that's like a big tobacco answer. No, yeah. no, just hide it. We're fine. Yeah, it's it, all good. It, it, I was absolutely dis- – I stopped working with the league wow. um, because I was doing a lot of their sideline care for the the kids mm-hmm. i stopped working with them after that because i was just disgusted with it i was like yeah. you guys are sticking you, your head in the sand yeah totally yeah exactly 416-870-6400 star 640 on your cell uh jonathan thanks for hanging on fella how are you not too bad yourself good brother what's uh, what's your concern uh so i got into a car accident about three years ago on the don valley parkway uh buddy plowed into me from behind i cracked my head off the steering wheel uh, I've had ongoing problems now for about three years. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, just looking for some advice <laughs> where well, what, to turn. Well, where, what have you done for therapy? So I've been going to physiotherapy pretty much on a weekly basis now for the Do, last Doing years. what? Uh, IMS, intermuscular stimulation. Yeah, of what? Your, well, your neck uh, muscles? Yeah. Yeah. I've been having on, pretty much for the last two years, I've been having ongoing pain. So, so is all you've neck. done the electrical stimulation of the neck? Uh, needling, um, you know, dry and with electrical. Okay, so so all, is it fair to say that the vast majority of the intervention has just been to the neck muscles? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, so, and, th and this is what I'm talking about. That That is the wrong approach. There's so many things. Your brain does not just control your neck muscles. It's a component and it's important. Yes, absolutely. But you, you may only be treating, you know, 15% of the overall problem. And so there's other things, other ways we can treat the brain. We can't touch the brain with our hands, but we can train the brain with exercises through eye movements, listening exercises, head movement exercises. There's It's a multifaceted approach. Um, and this is what I'm talking about. There's a lot of people out there saying that they are treating concussion, but all they're doing is treating, you know, a tenth of the cause of the concussion. And so you, it just sounds like you need to have more of an intervention for that concussion um, and, and that head injury and, and get it dealt with the right way. And it doesn't sound like that's been done. Okay. I have been going for vision therapy as well for about the last year. Okay. What are they doing? I do uh, convergence. Okay, good. Know, work on my convergence. Okay. As well so, as, uh, yeah. So then now, now we're talking that that's. Uh, that's that sounds much better than just neck for sure. So that's that's good. You know, I'd have to review exactly what you've been doing in order to to make a comment. But a lot of these things, it's not it's not. You know, if there's five causes or five ways to treat a problem, and you're only doing one or two out of five, then you're missing a lot there. So uh, um, yeah, I think come I see me and and we can assess and and make the appropriate recommendation after the assessment. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, appreciate that. Here is the uh, number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. Now I noticed he was up north a bit, but you have, have a provider yeah. network yeah. all over, correct? Yeah, we were opening up actual clinics that we own and operate. Beautiful. Uh, but we, uh, you know, even if if we don't have one in your area, we can find you a trusted provider um, who uh, who will take good care of you. And and I've I've built a large network of of trusted professionals. Um, that I trust with with people's care. Uh, but this is all, you know, that's an interesting thing because people do that for a lot of things where they're only treating one component of a potential solution um, and and they wonder why they're not getting better or they only feel like they're 20% better. It's like, well, if you're only doing 20% mm -hmm. of the things that you could do, well, is it reasonable to assume you would feel 90% better? Right. No, you probably would feel 20% yeah. better. That's, that's sort of the way it works. And it's... It's not always the fault of the individual. A lot of times it's the fault of the providers as well that are not giving the appropriate recommendation. But that's not just for concussion. It could be for something like knee osteoarthritis, right? You, There's a lot of things that need to happen or chronic pain, for example. Like, you know, you, we will get a lot of people that are on the medication, but they're not doing the exercises. Their nutrition is very bad. Um, they're overweight. Uh, they're not using any assistive devices. Yeah, a lot of peripherals are not taking advantage yeah, of. Yeah, it's like right? you're doing one component of the potential treatment for something. Right. And that's really the the vast majority when it comes to the musculoskeletal and the pain issues, it needs to be multifaceted. That's the exact reason why I've built a team of multiple professionals because no one 
person or product or service can really do it all. And that's why I'm also, you know, I hear a lot of people call me and they say, oh, I went to such and such a clinic and they sell such and such a service. And it's very specific. It's like that one thing is supposed to cure everything. The one hammer for every nail, yeah, right? And it's like, mm, that's a red flag to me. It's like, no, yeah. you, you. the best research on this stuff is multifaceted. You need to go to places that have multiple tools. So when you're going to these places, just be careful because to me it's a red flag where it's only one thing that's being done. Um, and even worse, if it's a product that's being sold, it's like, you know, I, how, I want to spin. Uh, there's I for myself will go do a lot of my own research and I'll go to these places as a potential patient just to see. And I don't do this so that I can slander the organization, but I do it just so that I can see. And I've been to places where, for my own issues, where it's like they don't even know what the diagnosis is yet, but they're telling me no matter what the diagnosis is, this is the therapy that will solve the problem. Wow. And it's like, okay, (laughs) all right, if you say so, but that's the wrong way to go about it. Those are the red flags that I talk. I don't care if you don't come to my network or my locations, just go to the right places. And if your gut tells you that something's weird here, either investigate further talk to somebody mm-hmm. or just stop going there. Yeah. If you're, I've talked to a lot of people. I, I had a patient the other day who, um, uh, for their knee injury, wanted, they were having physio at another place that's not affiliated with my organization. And it sounded like everything that they were doing for that knee was absolutely perfect. She then also had a back problem, which is why she came to see me. And she basically said, you know, I can come to one of your locations um, to, to do it. And I said, but, you already have someone that you've built a relationship with and it's working and they're already doing the right thing for the knee. They're likely, I can write a, a letter, a note. They'll likely do the right thing for the back. And as long as they do the right thing, no problem. Yeah. Just go there. That's that's fine. Um, and, and that's what I'm looking for is just good care for people. But if you're going somewhere where you've got those like, Butterflies in your Step on in. This will cure you. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I don't know. Not good. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have any uh, questions, concerns? Still got some time. Give us a call here as we continue. Dr. Payne Show on Global News Radio. 1144. Yeah, 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell is the way to go. John, thanks for uh, calling in. Big fella, how are you? I'm very good. Good. it's uh, not not so much a question, just basically mm-hmm. a statement about how I, I've, um, I guess, rehabilitated myself with others. Uh, you, you, the show being uh, part of the uh, my rehabilitation. My back in 2012, I fell and I injured my lower back in the muscle area to the left of the spine. But 42 years ago, I had a spinal fusion and I had Harrington rods put in. I had no problem up until the time I fell. My family doctor told me to basically, I have to live with it, suck it up, just go on, do what you can. You may have to change jobs. But ended up after listening to the show, I pulled up my bootstraps and I did some research and found a program called IMS, uh, Intramuscular Stimulation. Started in 1985. For somebody that uh, wanted to put WCB um, clients back into the workforce, and I sought him, sought this uh, several physiotherapists out, and I got with one, and ended up he sat me down and says, "We can do this, but you have to also do the following, and you got to work other muscles and stuff Good. to go with it because those other muscles 
your back muscles also connected to your shoulders, your arms, your legs. And if you don't do these things, then there's no sense in doing any of it. Yeah. They're just... And uh, like in the case when, if I did, it had listened to my doctor when he, 42 years ago, when he did the spinal fusion, he said, okay, you got spinal, with your spine being fused and that, you can't do the following. And if I'd done that, I'd probably be a very fat, over, overweight individual, not with no exercise at all. But he said I couldn't go back to skating, and I went didn't go back to hockey, but I went back to refereeing, and ended up. I've been very active since. But Good. The fall has really. If I go more than two weeks without IMS, I am in very bad shape. But if you put a broom in my hand, you'll kill me in three thirty seconds. I mean, thirty minutes. Wow. Right. Okay. So other so than that, go. as long as I keep doing different things, repetition, almost like day-to-day life, I still drive a truck, and uh, but I can't do long haul. I have to do short haul. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's a big thing. Like one of the things, you know, a lot of people, and it's, uh, you know, I think of work accidents and car accidents. Yep. Um, Savan might kill me for saying some of this stuff, but Savan is not one of these people. Um, but you know, with with these. There's a lot of incentive to not go back to work, right? And it's a secondary gain component, right? And so we see it all the time where part one of the most important things towards prognosis is reintegration to what you were doing. When you're not doing what you used to do, it decreases your prognosis because psychologically it changes you. And so that last caller, that's an important point that he made where you have to keep going. You maybe can modify. Yes, absolutely. But you need to keep going. You need to find a way to reintegrate into your activities of daily living, your employment responsibilities, all of those things. It's a very, very important thing. And there's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, a lot of personal injury lawyers out there um, that are telling people the opposite. And I've seen it with some of our patients that have chosen to use their own personal injury lawyers and people that I mm-hmm. we haven't. Uh, but we can't force somebody to use anybody, right? But... I see it all the time. People being told, "Oh, I, I was told not to go back to work. It's going to hurt my case. This or that." It's like, yeah, no, oh. they have a duty to mitigate. Unfortunately, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's a very sad state of affairs. But that's sort of a tangent. But yeah, absolutely, I think doing the right thing. And you know, some people will call and say, you know, this specific therapy works for me, and it's worked great. That and that's awesome. I'm happy with that stuff. But remember, when something works for one person, that's called a case study. When something works for a couple of people, that's called a case series. Those two things are the lowest quality of medical evidence that we rely on because we can't make recommendations for a general population based on something that may have worked for one, two, or three people. Once we start moving into like the best research are things like systematic reviews of um, randomized controlled trials. So can you randomly allocate different treatments to different groups? There's, there's a hierarchy of research. And- it's like pharmaceuticals. You it's don't get a pill released same. after dozens of years of yeah, research and, and, and they trial, go through right? a ton of RCTs of and all those things. And I get a lot of people will sometimes call me and say, "Oh, you said that this doesn't work." And I and I don't I never say it doesn't work. It may work for you. But you have to understand my job is not to relay my overall opinion on things based on a case study or case series where I know it worked for one or two people. No, it needs to work for a bunch of different people under very specific, scrutinized um, 
scenarios where we can eliminate confounding variables. That's what double-blinded randomized control trials are. Um, and those things are done for these things. And when we base, when I make my recommendation, when I make an evidence-based recommendation, I base it on an evidence-based protocol, right. which one-third of that evidence-based protocol is the best scientific evidence. Another third is my clinical experience. So that doesn't mean I, I discount things that I've heard that I know were, have worked for a dozen or two dozen people. I incorporate that. But some people are tr just trying to sell something for everybody, and, and it's not the way that it works. We'll take a short break. Reg, we'll get to you, and I see more calls uh, coming up here. you still got a, a bit of time here. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Bring it on. Dr. Payne, you right till 12 o'clock here on Global News Radio. Uh, 11.53, Dr. Payne show. We'll get to uh, to Reg. Hey, Reg, how are you? Good morning. Not, not bad. Thank you very much for taking my call. No worries. Uh, my uh, question is, deals with um, infections. I have a, um, a, a knee that's been uh, replaced uh, surgically, and it's the uh, going to be the third or uh, fourth time that they're toying with it. Now, this is the thing is there's an they tell me there's an infection in there. And, uh, like, it took a while to uh, manifest itself. I'm wondering, uh, like, last year was uh, when they first uh, thought that there was an infection in it, and they gave me all kinds of antibiotics with the uh, pick line and the whole thing, and it went for two months, and they couldn't find anything. And after this, this is where we're at now, is they decided that the uh, knee still really swelled up, and they said, well, listen, we're going to go in and, remove everything, give you uh, a temporary knee for two months, and then uh, put the new one in, take everything out, and start over again. Now, I'm wondering, uh, like infection-wise, if it didn't, if they gave me all kinds of antibiotics when the knee was still in, uh, does it really matter? Like, uh, uh, like I'm just thinking, like, uh, wouldn't it got everything uh, last year? Yeah, you know, I know someone in a similar situation with a hip replacement. Uh, um, they have to, they had to go in and uh, remove that hip replacement and give like a temporary. It's not a hip replacement; it's essentially there, like a piece of concrete, almost just to keep wow. something there um, because of a chronic infection that's there because that's continuing to cause problems. The thing here is that there's a lot of bacteria and things. Number one, joints tend to be very resistant. Like bacteria, there's certain places in the body where, you know, joints don't have great blood supply, right? right? So it's very hard for anything that our immune system to intervene in those joints. And so um, that's number one. Number two, there are bacteria and things that are not, are resistant or more resistant to our, to the known antibiotics that we have. Um, so... What you're describing is very, very rare. I've only I've only heard of a few people that with replacements of joints have gone through these types of scenarios. Uh, but unfortunately, it is one of the of the risks that these things can happen. These infections and 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 trying to get rid of them is is sometimes very, very hard. And so, um, you know, what exactly is your question? Uh, like, how long does, can an infection culture? Culturized, like uh, it could take it have a life, like uh, mm. say, like, like, because this has been ongoing since uh, 2009. Yeah, bacteria have been wow. on this earth longer than we have, so that's the life that they have. So, yeah, it's it, I, I, I was good, like, it, my knee was gold for two years, and then all of a sudden it just ballooned. Yeah, and it, it, that can happen. Yeah, it's uh, okay, it, yeah. it's it's uh, in terms of you know, what's the life of that bacteria. 
I have no idea how long does it take to get rid of it. The the other gentleman that I'm talking about, they found that out in September. The plan was to replace the joint after the infection was cleared by, um, I believe it was October or November. Um, he still has, the infection is still there to this day. Now, I'm not telling you that to try to scare you. I'm just giving you the reality that it, it very much depends. Some people might get, if they can target it appropriately, have the right drugs, there's no resistance. It can be done very quickly. Sometimes it can take a long time. Okay. Well, uh, you answered my question. Great show. I'm a new listener. Okay. Uh, thank you. I'm going to become one. Awesome. I appreciate that. Great, thank right. you. I appreciate that. You want to reach out, by the way, when the show is not on and get a hold of uh, Dr. Lou, no problem. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. Scary stuff, some infections. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Very, very rare. Like, this is not something right. that should be off-putting to people if you are about to get a joint replaced and things this, out of all the ones that I've seen, I can think of this gentleman and two other people. Yeah, I'd never heard of it. Yeah, and, but it, no. it does happen. It does happen. Infections are... There's also people who have... There's a, an interesting uh, research, uh, some research that came out... Uh, now would be about three years ago that there was the idea that some chronic low back pain that people had could potentially be related to low-level infections within the disc. Infections Mm. that had just, you know, the bacteria when they're in your body will find places to hide. And there's this idea that it may have actually been some chronic low back pain might actually be related to very, very low-level infection residing in the in the lumbar discs that's still there or now as a yeah, result of that's previous still there infection. and has oh, wow. not been treated oh wow an infection of a joint causes breakdown of that joint right like in really bad cases of what we call osteomyelitis which is infection of 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 the bone it breaks the bone down it actually eats it away there's people that i i remember meeting an individual once that had actually come um to me from the show he was having chronic low back pain mm-hmm. Went to his doctor, took an x-ray. There were literally holes in his bone. That's often seen with metastasis, spread of cancer. Mm-hmm. I, they told him, like, they essentially said when they saw that and they saw how bad the holes were throughout the lumbar spine, they they basically told him, you don't have a lot of time here. He went to the hospital. They finally started doing more workups. Specialists got involved. And they actually found that, no, there was no cancer in this person. That was osteomyelitis. It was an infection that was eating away his bone. So they actually treated the infection. And, you know, the infection went away and the bone grew back to some extent. Obviously, very, very deformed, which is why. Still. (laughs) It looked like you didn't breathe there for like two minutes. man, that was brutal. I I mean, to get that news, I mean, fine, he's not 100%. There's some deformation. But going from that, from cancer... I'll take it. Oh, I hope like, you don't want any of that. Uh, but yeah, no I see what you're saying. Wow. It's been a uh, good show, my friend. We'll take it from there. You want to reach out, uh, you can do so anytime. There is a provider network that can help you get on the right uh, on the right road and the right path. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, Dr. Payne Show on Global News Radio.